You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, when I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site now, check out all the cool features we have, including our off-season rankings lists and our in-depth depth chart breakdowns of every team of note that had big changes in the off-season. And a little extra help for you in print form, online form, for fantasy football crossover analysis. And we'll continue the direct hit fantasy football analysis here on the show, Locked on Fantasy Football. On the previous show, we talked about the quarterbacks kind of uh, setting the table for all the situations there around the league. That position is rather easy because there's not too many battles out there. Just kind of the updates on health and uh, supporting cast and all those things. As teams continue to close out to minicamp and OTAs here, as we get into the quiet part of the offseason while teams rest up here for training camp, then the real heat begins there. So we're going to talk today, we'll switch our attention from quarterbacks to running backs and look at just how every situation ships up here. If you are behind and want to catch up here, this is the perfect show for that. Uh, Kind of a primer of uh, what we know so far about all of these teams and where they stand at uh, the backfield situation at the very moment. So we'll go AFC, we'll go division by division first, and then we'll conclude with the NFC. We'll go the traditional way, east to west in both divisions and conferences. So we'll look at that and uh, go from there, and it really kind of sets the table for you to know what to expect here going forward. So let's start then with the AFC East. The first team we look at is the Buffalo Bills, and they're a tough situation here. We haven't heard too much here, but it's a pretty crowded backfield. And LaShawn McCoy, they added up Frank Gore, they added T.J. Yeldon, drafted Devin Singletary, so quite a crowd at that position. Gore, another aging veteran behind McCoy. Yeldon, that change of pace, who turned out to be a very good backup and fill-in for the Jaguars, for Leonard Fournette, and Devin Singletary, a promising rookie. So this situation, I know people are looking at LaShawn McCoy is hopeful that he can generate some RB2 value, but he's being drafted like an RB3. Just a situation right now that needs to clear itself up a little bit. I could easily see Yeldon being the young back that still has a little bit more experience than Singletary being on the field there often with his team where it's clear Bills want to do a few more things in the passing game. So overall, the Bills, uh, they're a team that we're going to uh, look at and kind of avoid their running backs at this very moment. We go to the Miami Dolphins, and uh, we want some clarity here of this situation. And I think there, we might get it with Kenny and Drake, finally. We were disappointed last year with the usage. Even though he was mostly a solid RB2 there's some games where the usage totally went down with Adam Gaze. Right now, he's looking good. The leader of this backfield, clearly, they have Kalen Balaj, who they like. The upside here with the new coaching staff, with the Patriots kind of influence there, they don't have much behind him. Uh, they got, had Miles Gaskin. They got him as a rookie. 
Mark Walton discard from the Bengals after he had some off-field issues in a guy that used to play for the Chargers as a backup, Kenneth Farrow. So not too much beyond Kenny Drake. I think Kenny Drake is uh, falling under the radar a little bit in terms of a back that has really good value as in RB2 here in a flex play for sure. But Drake did a lot of solid things last year, even when he wasn't totally given the ball there. And now you don't have any situation where Adam Gaze is going to be loyal to a guy like Frank Gore, you know, which is, is in Buffalo. So Kenny Drake looking pretty solid there. Now, Sonny Michelle banged up again, and this is a concern here as we switch to talking about the Patriots' backfield. There's a reason they took Damian Harris a little earlier than people expected here to make this backfield even more crowded. We know James White is still locked into that third-down running back role. You know, Brand Bolden, they brought back, they really like him and special teams value that he brings the team. So he's back on the roster. Now, Damian Harris, we thought when they drafted him, could make Rex Burkhead expendable there in terms of that swing back. They can do a lot on early downs and also do some receiving work. But it turns out Sonny Michel can't be completely healthy. We know he had, he had the knee issue that slowed him down and couldn't get him on the field early as a rookie. Turned out to have a pretty good season as a load-carrying early down type back for the Patriots last year. And uh, with that... I think there is a little concern with uh, Michelle and that his durability was a little bit of a concern going into last season. It turned out not to be an issue when he was fully healthy, but there's something lingering there. So it's a real concern here that we're looking at, and that's came out of the minicamp news there. So it's a guy that uh, couldn't participate there in OTAs and, uh, it's not very promising here with the bad knee. So Damian Harris, we're going to watch him a little bit more in this backfield going forward. And that's a key takeaway that we have to keep in mind. I think Sonny Michelle is being programmed as a RB2 easily in a standard league, especially because he's not going to give you much receiving value. But I think overall you have to be concerned because we know the Patriots are a team that can toggle off backs and have a different leading rusher in any given year, even if after using a first-round pick. Any other team you'd feel pretty comfortable Okay, they used a first-round pick on Michelle. They're going to be committed to him no matter what. But this is the Patriots. They tend to look at different guys when they need to, and uh, they're not very emotionally attached to anybody based on where they drafted them. So if he can't go and he's not effective, they're going to turn to Damian Harris. So it could be another rookie leading the Patriots. And, uh, again, we're going to watch his health very carefully because it was definitely an issue. And that's what really doubles it down here is that it was a concern for Michelle as a rookie to get him on the field. If it's lingering into his second year, that's something that can put up a red flag. Now we look at the final team in the AFC East. It's the New York Jets. And with them, it's Le'Veon Bell. They are moved on from uh, some of the other guys there. They do have a Ty Montgomery as the change of pace. Elijah McGuire. There as the number two back. We liked him a little bit in fantasy last year behind Isaiah Crowell, who's long gone, got hurt there with the Raiders. So Bilal Powell still hanging around as a back end kind of a option there for the Jets. So it's a it's a pretty clear situation here where you're gonna have Le'Veon Bell touch the ball a lot. Powell 
gives them a little bit of insurance with the swing as they had a late re-sign for him in free agency. And Quace McGuire is not the steady backup. Montgomery is going to be a change of pace. He's going to cross over to the wide receiver situation as well. So it's uh, interesting. And remember the question marks with Adam Gaze and did he want to spend on and Bell? As soon as they uh, kind of turned their direction to a new GM hire, they hired one of his uh, former close-knit guys there and uh, Joe Douglas. They make the move to bring back Powell. So you wonder what's going on there. But Bell right now, you still feel confident that he's a lead guy, but you can't be totally comfortable because it's Adam Gaze. And we know, again, related to what happened with Kenny and Drake last season, we feel just a little bit uneasy, just enough where we're going to tilt towards other guys as an RB1 value. Make sure uh, when you're uh, downloading Locked On Fantasy Football, as we have all this great off-season analysis for you, that you're using the Himalaya app. It's free, super easy to use. Have every single podcast that you love or searching for. You can find and download Himalaya on the App Store or Google Play Store. And don't forget to follow Locked On Fantasy Football when you're there. Now let's turn our attention to the next division here in the AFC that we're going to look at in alphabetical order. It's the uh, AFC North. And uh, with this one, uh, you look at it, the Baltimore Ravens were the Kings in the North last year, winning the division. And now there's a lot of competition here. We get that with uh, the rise of the Browns. The Steelers still holding forth. The Bengals have a lot of uh, optimism here with the Zach Taylor era beginning for the Ravens. So when you look at that, we start with the Ravens and at their running back situation, it's pretty clear it's going to be Mark Ingram in the lead duties on the early downs. Gus Edwards has slimmed down a little bit, so he's in a good spot here to uh, produce a little bit better. You have Justice Hill and Kenneth Dixon still hanging around. So it's uh, going to be interesting between the rookie Hill and Edwards, who gets that second run of touches. Edwards is trying to become more versatile, get a little slimmer. Justice Hill gives them a little bit of home run hitting ability, but not much there in the way of receiving. Ken Dixon may be the best receiver of this group. Ingram can handle himself in the passing game as well. So the Ravens definitely want to have this power running game to continue this kind of offense to uh, complement Lamar Jackson. So right now Ingram is the early down guy. We have to see who can spell him the next. I think Dixon could be expendable here if Edwards starts to look a little sleeter, sleeker and uh, svelter here, which is the case. And Edwards, I think, maybe was written off as just a pure power back. But the competition of Hill and Dixon and Ingram for roster spots has definitely uh, prompted something in Edwards. The, ba- the Baltimore uh, coaching staff has to like that. So Edwards might hold off Hill, again, as a home run hitter, but can struggle a little bit with the smaller runs and the little things. Well, Edwards proved that he could stay on the field with pass protection, blocking, whatever he needed to as well. So that's going to help him in his battle with Hill and Dixon to see who gets the second most touches. But Mark Ingram, clearly the lead back in this situation uh, as the free agent acquisition still coming out of minicamp. The next team you look at is the Cincinnati Bengals in this division. And it's pretty normal clear cut here that Joe Mixon's going to be the workhorse. As for the second back, there's a little bit of flux here. Giovanni Bernard could be out there in the open market soon. They added uh, Trevion Williams and Rodney Anderson there to young backs. Rodney Anderson, of course, from Oklahoma, the same 
school that produced Mixon as lead. So Bernard, they might be looking for a steadier backup. Remember, Zach Taylor came from Los Angeles and the Rams, where when Todd Gurley went down, they completely turned over the rushing attack to C.J. Anderson over guys like Malcolm Brown and John Kelly in the mix. So they like a direct backup that can do a little bit of everything, and Rodney Anderson certainly has that, where Bernard is seen as a change of pace receiver. We know that Bernard has done things in the past to run well, but you'd think that Mixon is looking really good here. Again, it's a small tip that we look for in fantasy when there's a big split and committee and concern about who the backup is that means the number one is pretty firmly solid and a guy they're going to trust with a lot of touches and that's the case with Cincinnati and Joe Mixon we go to the uh, next team in the division the Cleveland Browns Uh, there's a little bit of cloudiness here we really want Duke Johnson out of this mix because then it would really make us feel good about Nick Chubb but two things that don't is Duke Johnson still hanging around uh, even though he's unhappy guy that can cut into his work in the passing game. Chubb didn't do too much in that area and didn't need to with Johnson and the volume of wide receiver and uh, tight end options the Browns had last year. So Chubb, I don't think he's going to certainly suddenly expand and see all that. I think why they're hurting on to Duke Johnson is simply because Kareem Hunt is a big unknown with the indefinite suspension. If Kareem Hunt got a clear, they had an idea of when he could return. I think Duke Johnson already would have been dealt and out of this mix, but they're not quite sure. So Johnson remains on the roster, kind of as their insurance for Hunt as as much as being a compliment to Chubb here. And that's why he's still there. So tough situation when you look at that. But Nick Chubb, we're proceeding with caution here because Hunt is looming. Johnson's still around. Johnson's out of mix. We'll feel a lot better about Chubb. And if we get some clarity on Hunt, I think Chubb's a guy that can uh, continue to rise up boards Right now, it looks like he could be caught in a three-man committee, but that could quickly change here in Cleveland where Chubb is going to have to touch the ball more in the pass game and really take on more of a lead role for the Browns. The final team in the division is pretty clear post-Le'Veon Bell that James Conner is going to be the man with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The question really there is uh, who do they like behind him most? Well, I think it still remains Jalen Samuels there as your back. I think Benny Snell is the power back that they can put in certain situations. So that could be a little bit of a concern where if Connor runs well and gets them near the red zone, that Snell could uh, pop in and finish drives there. We know behind that offensive line, Snell is built there powerfully to uh, execute and finish drives for the Steelers. So a little bit of concern there, but I think Connor still in a pretty strong feature role in relation to other backs in this league. Well, We will talk a little bit more and finish up the AFC running back situation here in a moment, but we've got to take a break first, guys, to talk about sex. That's right. We're talking about good sex, great sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, you got to always be looking for ways to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's for you. It's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com, you get the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And you can take BlueChew anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as pill. So you can be ready whenever you need to be. And it's not just for guys who can perform. This is for any guy that just wants to perform better in the bedroom. And with Blue Chew, uh, you don't have to go wait in a pharmacy. There's no awkwardness that comes with an in-person doctor's visit. 
BlueChew.com prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package. And BlueChew are made in the USA, and that also makes them cheaper than a pharmacy with their direct shipping. And there's a special deal for you to get BlueChew shipped to you. For Lockdown Fantasy Football listeners, you can visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using the first promo code here, Locked On. Again, you pay the $5 shipping. That's the promo code Locked On. BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. BlueChew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll be right back here with a look at the AFC South and AFC West teams. All right, we continue on with our look at uh, the different uh, teams' running back situations coming out of OTA's minicamp, kind of setting the table for what we're going to get in training camp. And we went through the uh, teams, the eight teams total in the AFC East and AFC North. We'll turn our attention to the AFC South here. We have the Houston Texans. Uh, this one, Dante Foreman is start to look a little bit better, but Lamar Miller, I mean, mildly you're holding on to him as an RB2 here. Maybe not feeling great about him, but at this moment that's the way it goes for the Houston Texans. So Lamar Miller, Dante Foreman, they really want Foreman to get going. He might actually be fully healthy to get a good long look at him in this situation, and uh, that's really been the concern with him, but... Really not much behind those guys. And the most notable name is Karen Higdon, who's the running back, the rookie from Michigan, who had uh, some good production there in college. But Miller and Foreman, it's a battle we're going to watch because we can extract some decent production. I think Miller is fading. Foreman's the guy that has the upside there in that situation. And running back for the Colts, they've made it clear that Marlon Mack wants to be their lead guy, and they're comfortable with that. Their only pickup there was Spencer Ware to be the backup and can also play a little bit of fullback. They also have Jonathan Williams who had some upside long ago with the Bills. Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, the second year players, are there to be the spell and change of pace and help them passing it. But in terms of that early down power, finishing on the drives and uh, having that touchdown potential, Marlon Mack remains the man there in Indianapolis. We go to Jacksonville and as we go again, the three teams straight down the line in convenient alphabetical order in the AFC South. Leonard Fournette, their pickups there, most notably, were Reichwell Armstead, a power back for the Jaguars. Alfred Blue, we know he's been just a guy, plug and play. When you need him with the Texans, you got Benny Cunningham, who can add the passing game element there, and uh, Thomas Rawls. So, mixed bag of running backs uh, trying to fight for Leonard Fournette's backup duties. That tells me they'll go probably full blown committee here, and they also feel pretty good about Leonard Fournette uh, coming back to form here. So good rebound candidate for sure because a lot of people will be off him in your draft. So pay attention to it. I think under the radar and a good running back that could t- still have RB1 potential here that no one's touching near that. They're looking at more as an RB2. Some people are totally off the board with Leonard Fournette because they've been burned the past couple of years. I say don't be that. You don't rule out a player. You always consider them in situation to situation, season to season. You definitely do that with Fournette. With uh, the Titans, it's pretty much the Derrick Henry lead show here. And uh, you have uh, Deion Lewis. We know he's been limited to being a change of pace, receiving option here because Derrick Henry doesn't do much of that 
very well. It's a big drop-off after that, so pretty clear-cut that Henry's going to hold on to the majority of the key carries here. He has that home run explosive ability to reel off those long runs as well as uh, finishing drives with touchdowns. So Derrick Henry, I know there's a lot of buzz and excitement over him, but you have to uh, just keep that tempered a little bit as in RB2 because of the inability to help out in the receiving game really for the Titans. And so in the standard league has a lot more appeal as that RB2 that's just the rock you can lock in. Well, in a PPR, a little less appeal, a little bit in relation to some other backs of his uh, talent that can get it done on both early and late downs. So there's the teams in the AFC South in terms of the AFC West. We look at the Denver Broncos, the first team there. Looking at Royce Freeman getting a few more touches here in this situation for the Broncos, a little bit more power to add. There, Philip Lindsay still on the men from his ACL, but I would expect Freeman kind of fits more that pound it with playing in defense. Devontae Booker is going to remain the swing backup for these players, and Lindsay, they're confident that he's going to be fully healthy and recovered, but I don't think they'll put on the same workload. He's a smaller back. They have to keep that in mind. they got to use Freeman better in spots, I think, this year. So, Lindsay had a great season. He was an absolute steal for most people. We didn't know until week one what his role was as a rookie. It exploded. The people won leagues with him and James Conner in their backfield. So you just have to uh, pay attention to everything. And Philip Lindsay, again, you have to pay attention to the fact that he's hurting and they want to get Freeman more involved. We go to the Chiefs. It's pretty easy. They've come out and said several times that Damian Williams is their man. They're not kind of a deviating from that plan. It worked pretty well after they had the unfortunate fallout with Kareem Hunt to cause by himself, of course. But Damien Williams, Carlos Hyde is the guy behind him, and that's by far the most intriguing back yet. Daryl Williams do a few things, but Damien Williams in a great position and looking like potential RB1, especially with what this offense can do and all the scoring opportunities and receiving opportunities that come with playing with Patrick Mahomes. With the Chargers, it's a status quo here with Melvin Gordon as lead back and, and we go to third downs, Austin Eckler, the receiving back, Justin Jackson, Filled in admirably when needed is the early down power back and uh, did some other things in the passing game as well. So pretty clear-cut situation where when Gordon's healthy, it's Eckler in the change of pace. Jackson is a swing backup who can also step in there and produce when Gordon is down. With the Raiders, it, signs are strong here that Josh Jacobs, the rookie in the first-round pick, is going to be the man here to carry the load. So that really hasn't... Uh, changed here in minicamp and OTAs. They have Doug Martin signed purely as insurance late in the process. Isaiah Crowell on the shelf. Jalen Richard is your receiving back, kind of change of pace to get in there, but Josh Jacobs can catch passes too, so he's looking good to be the lead guy there with the Raiders. We cross over into the NFC. Cowboys, we're looking at uh, Ezekiel Elliott, looking pretty good. He's locked in. He's one of the more consistent forces in fantasy football. We'll have to see what his backup situation is like. I, I think he's been so durable when he's out there and not suspended, and we saw they could go committee with that approach. It's right now the rookies, Tony Pollard and Mike Weber, as well as the carryover, Darius Jackson. So that screams a replacement committee if something were to happen to Elliott. We'll see if one of those guys can emerge in training camp. With the Giants, uh, this one, again, for handcuff purposes only, we know that. We know Saquon Barkley's the man. You are going to probably invest 
close to a first overall pick in fantasy for him. So Wayne Gallman still looking ahead of the pack. That includes Paul Perkins still hanging around. Rod Smith they did get from the Cowboys, so that's notable that somebody behind Elliott is now behind Barkley. But I'd say Wayne Gallman's still the man to lead a committee there should Saquon Barkley go down. We go to the Eagles, and this one has been uh, developing here, that Jordan Howard could be trusted in more of a lead role here after being acquired from the Bears in trade. You look at him, and he's trying to work on his pass-catching abilities. They only have rookie Miles Sanders next on the depth chart. You have Corey Clement and Wendell Small with those swing guys hanging behind him. This is probably not good news for Josh Adams because Jordan Howard can do a lot of things that Josh Adams can do in the power running game and give them a little boost elsewhere, and that's what he's trying to do to stay on the field. So Jordan Howard having more and more intrigue for the Philadelphia Eagles as uh, he settles in with his new team, and they like him, and they think he can be more than just a two-down and a power goal line situation type option for them, which is good news for his value. The next team we talk about is Washington Redskins. I, I think they're hoping that Darius Geis can come in, but they also know that Adrian Peterson's still hungry, still got something left. He showed that last year with some 100-yard games. So right now, Peterson has to be the lead back on the early downs with uh, Geis on the mend. We have to see if he can be fully ready to go in training camp, but you're looking at, if not Geis and he's not healthy, you're looking at Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson. They also did get Bryce Love in the draft, so... There's that guy hanging over, and Samaj Pirine is still on this roster, still Byron Marshall. So this will weed out a little bit, but I think ideally they would like a workload to go to Geis with a little bit of Peterson to rest him on early downs, and Thompson being the third down back that they look at in the situation. And Bryce Love a bit of a wild card if uh, things don't quite work out for all those players involved, the young veteran Geis that... Uh, Love could get a look here, but he's also recovering from torn ACL. So, tough Redskins situation to read, but right now, when Geis is not healthy, it's Peterson Thompson in that lead. We go to the NFC North, Chicago Bears. The Bears uh, moved on here from Jordan Howard, made that trade with the Eagles. Terry Cohen, we'll see what he his role is going to be. I think they're going to look at the rookie David Montgomery to do more things here. Terry Cohen, they can't overexpose him because that limits his effectiveness as that big play flair guy in this offense, especially working in the passing game. So I think when you look at the Bears, I would think Terry Cohen is going to be best served for them and change of pace. Well, Mike Davis, David Montgomery, see how they fit them, the former Seahawk Davis. So I'd, I just wouldn't flock directly to Cohen being the lead touch guy in this offense. Montgomery's too talented, and Davis can also help as a no-nonsense runner on early downs. With the Detroit Lions, uh, you look at that backfield as we stay in the AFC North. on Johnson, they're thinking he's going to be fully healthier. Theoretic, saying around as the third down back. C.J. Anderson is your early down insurance here. So no more LeGarrette Blunt moved on from him. They got Zach Zenner as well, still hanging around. But they signed C.J. Anderson. I think they're looking at Anderson as that backup for Kerryon Johnson, another young back because of a knee injury that Anderson is flanking a little bit. Riddick's still involved, but Johnson can cross over and catch pass as well. So we'll watch Kerryon Johnson and see if his role can expand. That requires him to stay healthy. 
With the Packers, uh, Aaron Jones has looked really good so far in total shape. In this new coaching staff, I think Jamal Williams could be fade a little bit. He's a good special teams player and a pass blocker and little things, but not enough to get him out there consistently like he was with Mike McCarthy. You have uh, Dexter Williams, the rookie from Notre Dame. You have Capri Bibbs hanging around. Trey Carson, who was with the Seahawks last year. So it's an interesting mix, but that all leads to Aaron Jones being a good lead touch guy. Dexter Williams might be in the best position to be his direct backup versus uh, Jamal Williams with his uh, limited running style and just doing little things right for the Packers. With the Vikings, this situation is clear-cut that they're fully invested in Dalvin Cook coming back healthy to lead this backfield. They still have Mike Boone, Rock Thomas, and Amir Abdullah. But I would expect Alexander Mattinson, the rookie from Boise State, is going to be their clear number two here in this situation. He's a solid runner, does a little bit things in the pass game if needed, but he's not going to need that in the situation. He's going to be the closest bet to what you have to Latavius Murray to compliment Dalvin Cook, and he's stayed on track to do just that. Got to tell you, as we uh, have two more divisions to go to, we'll get to those in a minute. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. And today's show is also brought to you in part by Grip6, ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap. Their belts at Grip6 make for great Father's Day gifts. So go to Grip6 and take advantage of that special offer they have for you listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football at grip6.com slash lock. That's grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. We'll be right back here to wrap up the show, looking at the final two divisions in the NFC and their running backs. All right, we still have uh, two more divisions here, eight more running back situations to talk about, all from the NFC. We've uh, gone through 75% of these situations, setting the table there for what to expect at training camp, what we already know, and what things are Cemented versus what things still need to be figured out here. Atlanta Falcons, a lot for them has been uh, cemented here. Devonta Freeman's coming back. He's looking pretty good. But they also have several contingency plans for this, leading off with Edo Smith, who is a good elevated number three there behind Tevin Coleman filling for him. You have Kadri Olsen. You have uh, Brian Hill in there that are battling for that third back spot. You have Kenyon Barner also in the mix for the Falcons. So they're trying to piecemeal the backup situation without uh, Tevin Coleman together there behind Freeman. But that makes you feel more comfortable that Edo Smith is the number two there. And that's how I would play it with Devonta Freeman giving you a little bit more confidence in his role and uh, still maybe an undervalued RB2 in fantasy. With the Panthers, uh, we know it's going to be more of Christian McCaffrey. Will they spell him a little bit more? I say the rookie Jordan Scarlett probably is the best position to do that, but they also have Elijah Holyfield, Cameron Artist Payne, Elijah Hood still hanging around. So we have to see it could develop in that into that situation where there's going to be a backup committee regardless because no one can match the special nature of McCaffrey. The Panthers would rather not have that because it's a little bit more telegraphed to have that early down power, whether it's Elijah Holyfield or Artist Payne doing that, or Jordan Scarlett as the change of pace back there on third downs. They'd rather have someone who can do a little bit of everything, but that is a tough one because McCaffrey is just such a special back. Look at the Saints. Uh, this one is pretty direct here. 
Alvin Kamara, he steps into a clear lead role early down, late down, whatever. He's the guy that's running, but they also have Latavius Murray in the Mark Ingram role. So pretty much that's what's happened here. Alvin Kamara's as explosive as you know it. Latavius Murray is your new back. And then you have Javorius Buck Allen, the former Raven, as the receiving element. So if Kamara were to go down there, I think you see a lot of Murray and Allen split touches. If Kamara stays healthy, you're seeing pretty much a lot of Kamara in the running and passing game with uh, Latavius Murray as the power complement the much of the way Mark Ingram is. And we already have the blueprint for their usage thanks to... Uh, how effective it's been with Kamara and Ingram, I think it can be just as effective with Kamara and Murray, who, remember, took on a bigger role last year with the Vikings when Dalvin Cook uh, needed some more time to be on the mend. We go to the next team. It's the Buccaneers. This one we're going to watch carefully. Ronald Jones, they're given an opportunity here. The new coaching staff with Bruce Arians. Can he do a little bit more? It kind of gets a second lease on life here in terms of trying to impress them. He, they brought back Andre Ellington as well, so that's interesting. And... Peyton Barber is the incumbent back, so we'll have to watch this, but it's not a situation that makes you feel totally comfortable because it's a new coaching staff, seeing what Jones can do, if he's improved, if Ellington gets in there, does it change of pace with the third down? Is there going to be a full-blown committee with Tampa Bay with, for Arian? So a lot of things to be figured out there, but for now the default back is Peyton Barber. I just don't see too much upside in going in that direction in your fantasy football draft because I think Jones is the way to go underused as a rookie I think he can uh, kind of redeem himself with a new offensive approach there for the Cardinals this one's easy it's uh, David Johnson he's going to have a rebound season we expect as they use him better out of the backfield as a receiver put him out wide they could throw a ton here on this team but if they run it's going to be Johnson if they try to finish drives in the red zone in the running game it's going to be Johnson so all around, you feel good. Chase Edmonds is pretty much his direct backup and kind of a clone of what he can do just to a lesser degree. With the Rams, uh, this one's a little tricky with Todd Gurley. More reports about him still being banged up and not being fully trusted. They've already paid him the big money, so that's the only reason they would have to force him there to play more than he should. So the days of him being that monstrous workhorse may be over. He was very touchdown dependent down the stretch with his scoring uh, when his knee started to act up. But you have a pretty interesting committee with Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, John Kelly, Justin Davis. So you don't have a C.J. Anderson there to play super sub. Henderson is the home run hitting young back. Malcolm Brown can do a little bit of everything. John Kelly showed some flashes last year, but they didn't completely trust him on the field with the little things to trust him when Gurley went down last year. So there's all that. And Justin Davis also has flashed a little bit. So... A little bit confusing there, but there's definitely a lot of talent behind Gurley where they clearly can back up what they mean and not overload in the ball. The next team we look at is the 49ers. Tevin Coleman's looked really good here. We'll have to sort out the rest. I think Raheem Mostert will be on there because of uh, his special team's work, but then you have uh, Matt Breida and Jarek McKinnon. How are they going to respond? Matt Breida always hurt. Jarek McKinnon coming off a big injury. How is his backfield going to work? Is Jeff Wilson going to be a factor at all? A lot of things to be said, but I think, again, when you have that backup muddle mess, you look at the lead and how the lead is doing, and Tevin Coleman is really coming through for them early. And finally, we close on the Seahawks. Uh, clearly, they want to involve Rashad Penny a little bit more. He looks fully healthy. He's got the offense down a little bit. They don't want to overwork Chris Carson. He's not built to be a homer 
or workhorse homer back here. So you have to look at that. And uh, Carson, I think this is going to be a full-blown committee between Carson and Penny. They'd like to have one of these backs, J.D. McKissick or C.J. Prosai, stay healthy enough to help them as a change of pace in the passing game. But they also added Travis Homer and Bo Scarborough here. So it's a pretty crowded depth chart for the Seahawks. So I think you'll see a lot of Carson, a lot of Perry, Penny. I think if you're going to look at one back or the other to be involved more in the passing game of those two, I think you would go with Penny there. So they used a the first-round pick on him they, because they like him a lot. They see this offense being run heavy again with Brian Schottenheimer. That's the identity of it. So there's going to be plenty of carries to go around between those two guys, Carson and Penny, but I think right now Penny has the higher upside. You have the higher upside and the better value as a later-round pick. That's the back I tend to go to. And, and Penny, the reports have been very good for him and really shined here in his uh, second offseason with the Seahawks, and I think that will continue in camp. Now he's indoctrinated the offense. has got all the little things down and can push Carson because you know, even though Carson was the undrafted guy that has really made the Seahawks happy about that pick, the Seahawks did invest a lot much more in Penny, and if you pull back, Penny is still the more talented back, and that's why you have to follow that a little bit in fancy football. So there you have it. There's a look at the running back situations for all 32 teams here coming out of minicamp and OTAs. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. Again, download our show with the Himalaya app. It's free, super easy to use. Download it for free on the App Store or Google Play Store. Personally curated playlist made just for you by Himalaya's expert podcast tastemakers. And you can follow your favorite shows like Lockdown Fantasy Football. Creators like me, like and comment there on individual episodes. And each episode is shareable through a playlist. You can build your podcast Playlist by the episode, customize just like a playlist for songs and share it through social, text, and email. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time.